0: Hello and welcome to the D&D 420 podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping those become a better dungeon master. I'm your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I am a struggling game master trying to figure out how to tell a better story. Joining me shortly is Jimmy Shields. He is the creator of D&D 420 and an avid D&D fan for over 30 years' experience. In this episode, we go over how important it is to have character names and attributes uh, at a moment's notice, uh, how important it is to not necessarily put All emphasis on stats with these characters uh, to kind of liven up your world. We also talk about how important it is to really fill out every single environment uh, using all five of your senses uh, to really give that immersive player experience. Okay, so from the last time that we talked, um, I was given some homework. The homework was to create basically ten characters uh, with ten defining traits, I guess you could say. Uh, very nondescript, kind of what I would consider generic, uh, which was fun. And then um, I put together a couple of environments. Now, since we're playing in the Star Wars universe, um, there's a ton of environments already, you know, part of the universe. And I didn't want to take too much Liberty with those environments, uh, just because a couple of those environments, um, are iconic and for iconic for very important reasons. So I feel like farting around with that would probably throw things off and kind of confuse people maybe,
1: but, um, but anyway, well, I think, I think you did exactly what I thought you might do. And it was kind of a trick anyway. Um, because what you're, you're, uh, How would I put it? The basis for these places is excellent. Both of these, you got base 1 and base 2. The the idea behind both of them is awesome. You know, we got a cold, desolate, once formidable force against the Empire, now lays in ruins. That's really cool. Never-ending snowfall, poor visibility, very few few places to set up any sort of camp. Great battle once fought here, but now only ghosts roam the ever-moving hills. The abandoned buildings still smell of blaster fire and a once great army's technology lays to waste in the barren snow. That is awesome. This is a cool place. Um, it's a place I want to visit. I want to poke around. Um, the question I have for you is what do I see? What engages my senses? I got the, the, the building still smell of blaster fire was the only little bit in there that does that. So I would challenge you to take it a step further, like what does blaster fire smell like? Or when we see the snow, let's talk about how cold it is. Is it a biting cold? Can I feel it through my gloves? It's so cold. Does the wind cut here? Is it cutting in through wherever I've got like um, less coverage, like where my jacket meets my pants? Do I catch gusts of wind there? You know, things like that really get people immersed into this snowy environment Um, without having to change anything or taking any liberties whatsoever. Engage one of the five senses or several of the five senses and do it a couple of times. This way, when the players arrive, they know what it what it feels like when that wind cuts through their coat. They know what it feels like to feel the cold through their gloves when they're digging through snow you know what i mean oh absolutely because i mean
0: you, again to me it's i know exactly what all that stuff is but and that's something that i've i find that i continue to lack is like well yeah just because i know what it is doesn't mean that the players know what it is and sometimes even with a you know a quote unquote um well written environments such as a lot of these spots in star wars are um there's still things that go amiss that obviously from watching the movie or reading the books you don't get because you're not physically there and with and maybe this just is a testament to Dungeons and Dragons but like that gives you the opportunity to experience
1: those things that you couldn't with a different medium exactly the movie is all about visuals So when we watch Star Wars movies, we're seeing really cool stuff. And if you want to capture it like a movie, watch this environment and find little things. Like talk about the breath, the way the breath forms into steam, or talk about anything that's just a cool visual. But if you want it to feel more like a book, like kind of what I do, go into the other senses for sure. man. How does it feel? Do you get frostbite? do you feel your toes going numb you know all these other things and it might even not even be things that we have experienced such as frostbite not everyone's experienced true frostbite however we we've read about it before we've seen it happen before we we know we know what it is so but i like to engage those senses i like to get pretty deep with them to where if you start engaging the senses through environment then it's a lot easier when you set up a tense situation to evoke emotion. No, that totally makes
0: sense. Um, because even that can have effect on how somebody might, um, go about their next move or, uh, exactly. Just again, it goes back to those things that as a player you take for granted. So, um, I, I know we mentioned this, um, off the podcast. I don't know if we talked about it in episode one or so, but in your world, uh, you don't have a north south east and west you have other words that represent those directions and that, the reason that those words are different is because your this well at least this game that we're playing now takes place underground and these giant you know chasms of rock so there wouldn't be these these cardinal directions of magnetism like it would be this side of the rock or that side of the rock or
1: and I, again I'm, i apologize i can't remember what the words are <laughs> um but at first because yeah, go ahead because north is based on a star south is based on a star those names we exactly. get stars yep so there are no stars in the wilder dark which is the name of the area um Oh, and in Volcominar, and actually in other parts of the Wilderdark, they wouldn't even use the same words that they do in the Wilderdark. It's it's just not a thing. You don't talk about north, south, east, or west. Each place is specific to its own. Um, it's its own area, and we do use like in Wilderdark or in uh, Volcominar. I'm sorry, we do use the gatehouse as a central location. Which side of the gatehouse are you? Are you well side? Are you nether? Are you vor? You know, those are those are just, you know, some of the directions that I've used. Um, but it, does, it engages more, and it makes you think, this is where I am. I'm not, I can't look up and see the stars. It's, a, it's just a constant reminder. And the same thing rings true with each of these locations. When you get there, and you start to tell what it feels like. And then we, let's say the players come here, we get frostbite in our fingers. Um, you get that feeling in your nose when you breathe in air that's too cold. It feels like crystals inside of your nose. Yeah, like And it, it kind of stabs you and as you're breathing. Uh, that, that's something we can all relate to. But if you do all those things and you set it up well, the next time we come here, we all automatically get that feeling. You know, right, know, and, and that's, that's important. And the same thing for your second area. It's, um, a city that has sprung up simply for the need for trade and for conversation. Um, but it didn't go into what I see here. And that was, it's another thing. Let's just engage those senses. Let's talk about what do I see? What are the first, cause that's all this other stuff is great. And I might know that as a as a character, I might even know that this place is that. But when I get there, I need to know what I see. What is the first thing that jumps out at me? What are the characteristics? You know, what are the little things that make this? Do I see a building that's all smashed up and it's actually like the shape of Maine? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, or there's little things like that that you can do to that that will stand out and give character, big time character. And we'll always remember if it's something really interesting or really unique or something that made us feel a way that we felt in the past.
0: Okay, so that brings, that, to me, that brings up two questions. So the first question would be, so like you mentioned before, like the directions are based on stars. So obviously there's no stars here. So there is no north, south, east, and west. Like,
1: and Yeah, and Volkman are yes. Right,
0: um, and it's kind of similar with like, months of the year so like there is no january february march because that would that would basically mean that rome existed at one point and that those months were so and as a and as somebody who's creating a game i get all of that completely is there a point where it's too much information like it's
1: too much change yes that's a good question um There, there is a point. Now it depends on your players what point that is. Do your players want to learn the months of the year that you've rewritten with nonsensical words? Because, like literally, January is a nonsensical word to us. Right. February is it only means one thing. You know, and obviously they were based on names of people at some time. Like you said, they they lived, and this is a Roman thing, and. That's where we get most of the names. August is, you know, based on Augustus. So, that to me is a lot. I've renamed, and I've got a whole um, lunar calendar in my game for the outer part of the world, not Volcannar, that has month names, day names. It's yourentide, Tide, where in Tide, because it's based on the tides more so than the moon. They don't. That's why they're called the tide. They don't call them months. They actually call them tides. Um, We don't talk about that in game because it's. I think it's a little much for you guys, and I may work that in later. But it it feels it feels like a lot, and you're right about that. Sometimes that can be too much, and it's okay to to go ahead and just say it's January, February, March, April, if you've got a sun and seasons and all those things. That's okay. Um, I don't like to do it. I'll never say it's January. I'll never say it's Monday. Um, you won't hear those things. I won't even say it's the weekend, because that's not that's not a thing in the game. We don't have a five day work week and two days off uh, in our in our D and D game. Or in real life. <laughs> or in real life in this day and age. <laughs> but. Um, that that can get to be a lot, and it, it, you talk to your players. They may they may yearn for this sort of thing. I int- I slowly introduce a few new words into Volcmanar like um, Kleiner and Schlecht, and that's I only wanted to put a couple in there. They're both German words. They're real words. None right, of us that's know the, German. That's the uh, currency. Kleiner is the currency. Yeah, and Kleiner just means lesser, and so. That's why it's called Kleiner is because it's a lesser silver piece. And if you remember how I described them, they're usually smaller. They're not consistent. They're not an exact weight, probably because they've been shaved down. They're not perfectly round. They don't have smooth edges. And they have a simple K embossed into them. And that's simply because the dwarves don't want to give humans or elves the same currency as them. That would put them on the same level. They were looking for a way to segregate even further. Um, And a Schlecht, Schlecht just means shit. Um, And so calling somebody a Schlecht, well, and I think it has a little deeper meaning than that in German, kind of like some of our swear words, but. Sure. But essentially it, it just kind of means shit. So, I use it as a nickname that it's that's the term that dwarves call non dwarves schlechts or even Kleiners. They might call you a Kleiner because you're a lesser person, so now in in one of my games, they've really picked up on those things and they love it they The dwarf throws around Schlecht or Kleiner all the time where the players try to keep away the other players that aren't dwarves try to keep away from those words because it's it's offensive and derogatory. And that helps do the same thing that the different directions. Now I've added in four new directions. I've added in a couple of slang words. and That's enough for me. That's as much as I want to do for you guys. Not that I haven't done quite a bit more. I'll just slowly incorporate that in over time and you guys can pick up on it or ignore it. And I'll let you decide as players in my game what you want. How much depth do you want? How much homework do you want? How much do you want to have to read? How much do you want to have to memorize? Most of the time now in in my main game this is never the case but most of the time your, your character sheet is enough for the player. We don't need all these extra words. We don't need all these extra things. And I like to give out a a synopsis. That's what my website is for. There's, I'd say, Hey, I'm going to send a link to Volcom and R. That's the only thing you need to read. You don't have to know it forward and backward. There's maybe a couple of portions I'll point out to you that you would know this forward and backward, but I don't want the, the players having to do too much to get it to be like you said, when is it too much that, that, that can be a fine line depending on your players.
0: Yeah, and I can speak from just experience of playing with your games. Like when we were talking about the uh, the shaving the uh, the shields down to uh, basically to make more and how that was a real thing. Like that blew my mind because it's like that small instance and that little detail in the game it like has such a large story in and of itself that may or may not. Um, affect the actual game that we're playing in time but like it makes my character feel more aged like it, it makes
1: the world feel more lived in if that makes yeah. sense and that's that's the entire goal of that sort of thing the kleiners have been shaved you can't trust humans with anything from a dwarven perspective um, they're they're poor and they're going to do do what poor people do and that's desecrate things that are holy and, and the dwarves look at their money in this particular game as something that's kind of um, not necessarily sacred, but we can use that word because they honor their the dead and the faces of the dead are stamped on those coins in tribute. So why would I want to give that to a human who's just going to shave it down and desecrate one of our great ancestors? And that gives you the, the entirety of why the dwarves do what they do. And then it says a whole lot like you said, about the city that we're in. And it, I don't need to tell you anything else. Once you realize that, oh, the Kleiners look shaved down and oblong and the not much time has been put into them for this reason. You can take away a lot from that. And it's a, a small detail that made a big difference. Yeah. I,
0: I really enjoyed it. Like I was really blown away because it was it like so much just kind of came into clarity once like we were talking about like what that was and what what the process was. And I was like, man, that's just, I mean, again, like it makes the world feel lived in, which is as a player who's looking for those details is like, that's, those are the things that I feel like would be a win. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I did my job right. Like I, I, I did this thing and it, it made this player feel a a particular feeling like, okay, that's, I did that right. So, um, but, so I guess when I was writing these uh, these locations, I was taking for granted um, what I would have considered to be just known th- facts that, oh, well, if I put this down, then it's irrelevant. But you're saying that, like, nothing is irrelevant. Like, the, the more, the better, because in any instance, you know, when somebody says or tries to do something, it's like, well... I mean, your hands would be freezing at this point, like because it's so cold. You know, it's going through your gloves. Well, if I wouldn't have written that down, I wouldn't have. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't you have thought not to have do thought that. To say it, exactly. yeah.
1: And and I'll do. I might do exactly what you've done here, except for I might even paraphrase a bit more and shorten it. Kind of a lot. Most of the stuff that I write for the game isn't this detailed. It's a it's a lot more detailed, and it's a lot less detailed. Um, I might just write abandoned base lays in ruins, uh, lots of snowfall, poor visibility, um, the site of a great battle at one time. And then I would write blaster fire smell. I might write feel the cold through the gloves. I might write, uh, when you take the first time you breathe in and just as a reminder, that way I can tell you, it takes your breath away. Or you know, and I might put a lot of little bullet points that are there for me to pick from, and I may choose one or two of them when I'm describing the area, and I might just scribble on that like, okay, little star, I've used that one, little star, or a little check mark, I've used that one, and then I got six more or something, and then they go to open up this. Uh, Gate, and they go to pull on it, but they've taken their gloves off, and you feel your hand stick to it because there's a little bit of sweat and condensation on your hand. You dra- just grabbed cold metal, and so I might put that on there as one of the things, and then all of a sudden, your hands stick to it. You know, it just it's another thing to to immerse the player in. So I do bullet points. You can do. I know a lot of DMs really like to write in depth. Um, uh, what would it be called? I don't even know what they call them because I just, don't use them.
0: I guess just synopsis or just
1: yeah, a block of information yeah. about the area that they read to their they straight up read it to their players, and that's a that's a really good thing when you're doing um, when you're doing modules. That's how they're written. That's what you do. And I write a module like game. So I have that as well, but minor bullet points, so that way when I'm talking to you, it doesn't sound like I'm reading. That's what I, I hate when someone reads to me. I, that's a personal thing. So for me, I don't want to feel like I'm reading to someone or have someone feel like I'm reading to them. We're not in third grade. Um, and it also makes it just seem a little bit more... I don't know. A little more... Uh, I should have wrote some stuff down. D D four twenty man. It makes it seem a little bit more flow. Go with the flow when I'm just talking to you and you're just talking to me. Right. It's not me.
0: like we're we're being personal one on one, and that's. Oh wait, I have to read this textbook. Uh, yeah. And ins- uh, excerpt real quick.
1: Right. Yeah. So, and I, I personally like that better. But however you want to do it. As long as the information is there, being presented, uh, that's fine. Because a lot of the times, if I go to read a block to my players, and you will know this for sure, they're going to interrupt me. They're going to say, well, what do you mean by that? Or what color is this? Or what does that look like? Right. And I'll never finish, you know, 12 sentences. I'll get through two of them and you got Tommy going, well, what, what <laughs> is she doing? What do I hear? Can I get a spot check? What's she wearing? I, I got to finish this block first. So, I mean, yeah. a, as it comes, there are certain things I need to get across. For instance, if you come into a room, I start describing the room and there's an earthquake that's supposed to happen. And I let these idiots start looking around. I forget the earthquake to describe the earthquake and be like, no, guys, it's trembling in here. It's, it's when it came in and the earthquake started. Oh, I forgot to say that because... So, you know, you got to have certain things that you have to get across and certain things that you make sure you want to pepper them in to tie us to the area, to make us feel immersed. And like I said, I love bullet points. All these things are all bullet points to me. My entire game is a series of bullet points.
0: No, and that makes sense because there's definitely been times where, like in games that I've ran in the past where I was like, oh, I want this really cool thing to happen. And it's like, oh yeah, no. Well, well, hold on, wait, guys, wait. No, hold on. Just let me let me get it. You know what I mean. And it's, you it, you become at that point. I feel like you become kind of like fighting against the group to get whatever cool thing that you wanted to get across, which may or may not be cool. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, they. It may just not be where they want to go. You know, it may not just be where the game takes them, in their minds. Right. So. Um, <coughs> So the characters, um, I kind of caught myself halfway through feeling like I was doing this wrong. And okay. what I mean by that is, so I'll be straight up with you. I'm terrible when it comes to names for people. So I just go to a generator and I just get a name generator and then I just select whichever ones I think are neat. And yeah. then I'll just use those. Cause I'm, I don't know. I'm terrible when it comes for names for stuff.
1: That's yeah. okay. These names are fine. I, I mean, I know they're from a generator because I use generators as well, and I can tell that they're generated.
0: Yeah, um, they're really good. They're,
1: they're, they're pretty good, yeah. yeah they're, and they, they're way they, too
0: good for me to come up with.
1: They fit the Star Wars universe, so there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and there's lots of good name generators. You can just search online uh, name generator, and you will get several options use the one that fits there's nothing wrong with that i don't use them a lot i might use them when i get stuck like well what does a dragon's name sound like shit i don't know let me go dragon name generator right here's five of them pop up let me go see what each one and i you know i find the one like oh that does feel very draconic. i will use that style or I might even take a little bits and pieces of the syllables and consonant.
0: Right. It's not Stan well, the dragon,
1: you know? Um, right. So, so the, I, the names are fine. I like the names. Okay. I got some cool ones here. Johto, Stodd, Tork, Cole, Loman, Rollins. These are cool. These are good.
0: Yeah. Um, I thought they were neat. Um, so what are the things I kind of caught myself halfway through? And I was like, Oh, I'm just going to finish what I'm doing. And then we'll just talk about it later. Was, So taking what we we talked about uh, last week in terms of like less about stats, more about the background, more about the personality, like, okay. But I kept catching myself because as you can, as you see, like all of them have a title or not a title. They all have a job and then they have some weird thing about them. um, Some quirk, but good too. I don't know. So I feel like I'm pigeonholing these characters Like I feel like they should be more about the personality traits and less about the facts about
1: them. You need both because a religious leader has certain things about him in your mind that you're going to play. You might not ever say that Jem Laramore is a religious leader. You may never even say that in game, but he acts a certain way and he has a certain mannerism to me to him. You can say religious leader. And if that strikes something in, in your core that has you role play a certain way that every time you go to him that you role play that way that's fine now this isn't these aren't words I would use for myself but use what works for you like for me I have and I think I mentioned it in the last one a list of a thousand character traits and I'll scroll through these thousand character traits and I'll pick out the ones that work and some of them are pretty clever or I'll roll for them and just get these absolutely random things that don't even go together but if you find a way for them to go together then it makes it even cooler because we all know some really quirky strange people that have possibly traits that don't go together <laughs> right it doesn't even sound like that that guy could be real but I work with them Yeah, he's real. You know, uh, just to do one right now. So I roll a 447. Go down here and we see this guy is going to be indolent. Okay. And 105. He's cautious, yet indolent. So, that gives us a little bit to go on. Yeah. So...
0: So you just have these. So when you create these characters, like obviously you're creating them because you feel like you're going to use them at one point. But how. I'm trying to think of the right way to ask this. How, what is the importance level of these characters? Is it just open range where it's like the, the 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 party runs into one of these characters? Oh, we need a character. OK, here's my name. Here's my uh, thing. All right. Well, now it's gotten to the point where they want them that character to join this character. Then is it will let me create these stats, and then we'll go from here. Or, yeah, does that make sense? So- well,
1: go ahead. yeah. So, so check, so check it out. We've got the cautious and indolent. Um, which guy are we gonna? Use? The cautious yet indolent religious leader spreading the good word of the Lord. Wait, he's cautious that actually goes well with a religious leader? Indolent lazy kind of, ineffective. Now we really got a guy here. We got this cautious, ineffective, indolent religious leader trying to spread the good word. And we'll now say trying to spread the good word. Right? So now when you meet Jem Laramore, and I role play that, you automatically want to talk to him because he's got depth. He's not just, hi, uh, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about the force or have you heard about Titan? You don't have, you don't have to do that, that you're just, you're trying too hard at that point. But if they meet him and they ask him a question, you role play that he's a little cautious or he's a little lazy. They start to pick up on that. Man, you're no help at all. You, you're not telling me anything,
0: right. but
1: he's, he's real now. The rest of that, like, and they may never talk to him again, but they they might remember him. So you go on and they meet another guy, and they really like him. Let's say that, let's say that this guy that we've created now, Jem Laramore, the religious leader who's cautious and indolent, spreading the good word. We'll say that they meet him and they actually like him. He can hang out with them. You know how to role play him. You know how he's going to respond to questions. You know he's always going to be cautious. Or he might not even want people to know that he's very cautious that might be a thing that you come up with while you're playing him maybe he's he seeks maybe that's why he's a leader because he seeks to throw that caution or that indolence out maybe he's trying to overcome his indolence that that could be a thing and then write it down when you come up with that as you're playing write that down it takes two or three words to give you an excellent personality and i like to also when i do uh, NPCs where I'm using a voice, I like to write things about the voice I'm going to use. That way, when I see it, I'll know to put gravel in. Voice. I know it's low. I know it's quiet. I know it's whatever it may be. I know it's a high pitched voice. It's a melodic voice. And I, each word that I use is something that I do with my voice. It's not necessarily the way it sounds to you, but it's the way that I can say it. The same thing with their traits. It's not necessarily What am I going to tell you that he is? Rather, how am I going to role-play him or her?
0: I guess I never looked at it that way, that it's like you're only using the pieces that you need to build. You're only using the pieces that you need to use until you get to the point, and then you start using those pieces to basically build a puzzle that fleshes out the character more. Because in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, if I'm going to create these characters, then I need everything. I need stats. I need... Like what weapons they're handling and stuff like that, on top of what their background is and what their affiliation is and what their alignment is, and, and all this stuff. And it what sounds these like
1: guys? these guys that you've created these are shopkeepers or guys you meet at a bar or guys you meet on the street because you know your players are going to go to a bar, and you know that they're going to look around and talk to people, they're going to gather information, and you know they're going to meet Oren Beerus and love him. Because he's super inappropriate and think it's hilarious. And they'll be trying to get more information out of him. You can come up with a backstory as you go. You can come up with whatever you want as you go. Just think about it this way. If you didn't create this list, we go up to the guy who's playing music at the bar and we talk to him. And you can easily go to your list and say, well, I got the musician who's huge into looking. And I've also got this guy who really loves a certain type of music. Maybe it's an open mic night. Maybe he's there. It doesn't matter. Either one. you got two choices where you had nothing before. You had to come up with a name on the fly. You had to come up with what he's like on the fly. This is a starting point. That's all it is. These people don't have to be in your game ever. Or all of them could be in your game. Just depending on how much we talk to randoms. That's all they are is randoms
0: that's just mind boggling to me. Like it just blows my mind because I've never looked at it that way,
1: but you'll need them. And when, when you start to use them, you'll be so glad you put a little bit down on paper and have that to draw from, to push you in a direction for role-playing. So you seem magical. You like, and and I go back, I always harken back when we're talking about NPCs to the gladiator game or Familia Gladiatorium. Um, where I had 27 NPCs and they each had their own personality, especially by the end of it. And my players who played in that game just rave about how great that those NPCs were. They just loved it because they could yell at the guy down the hall. And when he answered, they knew what to expect and I didn't have to keep it in my head or I didn't have to have character sheets for all of them because they're not all going to get into fights with the characters. so Or they're not going to fight with the characters. They're not going to go adventuring. They're just there because they're there. Those guards are just there. You can have random stats for them, but the things that really make them shine are going to be how you roleplay them. And the little things like this that get you roleplaying well, It's a, a, it's a challenge for you to come up with all these guys. You know, on the fly. All you're doing is giving yourself a little stepping stone.
0: And in reality, if I wanted to, I could create just generic templates of certain classes of characters. And then if one of these characters becomes more than what they are, I could just use those stats for whatever's convenient.
1: Exactly. That
0: fucking blows my mind. I have never looked at it that way before.
1: You made one stat block... Like, okay, this is the kind of character that's going to go with them. Any of these guys could be that character. Any of them.
0: It's and it doesn't.
1: My mind. The thing, like, the two things mean everything to each other and they mean nothing to you. That block versus how the character acts. Because if you got a local politician looking to make it no matter what, and but you need a monkey wrench kind of uh handyman guy. Maybe that's what this guy really is. Maybe that's how he got his start and he comes with the characters. Now you've really got a super cool uh, character. I mean, yeah, he's a politician now, but he used to turn a wrench for a living.
0: Right. He could totally be that guy that was, you know, working on the, the sewers and made his way up through the union. And
1: Absolutely. Or even... The religious leader, maybe he used to turn around, or the musician. Any of them could be that guy that you want as your NPC. Let the players pick who comes. Now, I go a little deeper, and I'll make make stats for a few different guys. If I think that they may go with the group at some point, or if I think there's going to be a fight that they get involved in, I will have stats ready ahead of time. But there's no need to do it with all of them. There's just no need. So, don't waste your time. Don't make 10 stat blocks with 10 backgrounds, with 10 sets of personality traits, and 10 alignments, and 10 names. Make a couple of those. And then have this. And I take this a step further write down a few more names with nothing. Because maybe they talk to the bartender. He's not any of these guys. So, well, now you got a bartender. Right. And you can make him up as you go. But the rest of them, yeah, have have that stepping stool prepared for yourself. It's worth it.
0: So I'm definitely going to go back into the locations and build more into those. Uh, I've got about two more I need to write down. Um, what do you think should be the next stepping stone in this?
1: Okay, so let's, let's recap what we've done here. We've got our players. Well, we're gonna we're gonna assume we've got our players, right? <laughs> you've got your we've got your overarching storyline, and now we've got some cool NPCs because you had a couple of NPCs last week, and now you got a stable of randoms. Um, so the next thing we got to start putting your uh, your plot points into locations, and how do they affect the location? How does your plot point a? if this is going to be say, I don't know, 12 sessions long or whatever, how long is it going to take to get to plot point a, what things need to happen to get to plot point a and what all is plot point a, including what goes with it? Because there'll likely be a whole series of events in that plot point a, you break your plot down into a few different points. Um, Try, I'm going to try to think of one that I've done uh, let's say we'll go back to um, a pirate's life plot point A was getting you onto a magical ship that flies to the sky so that, that wasn't going to be the first thing we do we put you guys in jail so what led up to, the, to getting on the ship we put you guys in jail you are trying to trying to figure out when you're going to get out of jail or how you're going to get out of jail when another guy comes in and he says, hey, I know that you're the jailkeeper. We've talked in the past. I need people for my ship. I need deckhands. What do you got? And, of course, you guys decided to go on. So that's how I got you there. And then I knew there was going to be a chase where some guards are running after you. Somebody gets shot. I wanted those things to happen. That, that just added to it. And then I wanted there to be a reveal. So the big reveal was you guys couldn't see the ship from where you were. I wanted you to step into a scene where the ship's right in front of you floating because I thought that would be a little overwhelming. And so I made sure that that ship was hidden by some things so that there would be a cool reveal because that's what I wanted. Then when you saw the ship floating there above the ground... Cause it's a spell jammer that was super neat and some people didn't want to get on the ship and i wanted to instill that in you guys that there was fear among some of the npc and then when you got on the ship who did you meet so now we talk about those npcs how do how do these npcs affect this area how do they affect this scene uh, what kind of things are going to be said if you can anticipate just a little bit in advance We're going to work those things together. We're going to start putting the pieces down so that we get our first session. And that's what we're going to work on for next week is what are you going to put into your first session?
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the D&D 420 podcast. For everything D&D 420 related, check out dnd420.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us there on the website and on YouTube at dnd Four Twenty. Lastly, as always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by telling another DM about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at d 420. We will see you next week.